Well, folks, you're very welcome along to the Time Out podcast with me, Tony McGettigan, and this is episode number 25. And I am delighted to say that my guest today is a local woman from Dunlow who is a medical scientist. And along with that, she has her own business, and uh, which is called Avisha, and that's to do with fashion. And she is well known in uh, Donegal and uh, all over Ireland. And indeed, she's taken her business as well uh, beyond Ireland. Her name is Louise Breslin. Louise, you're very welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tony. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a great pleasure, Louise, to speak to you. And uh, as I said to my wife earlier in the last week, this is probably the most podcast where I've been out of my comfort zone. <laughs> With fashion? <laughs> yes, fashion and, and science is not my strong points, but I'm still really looking forward to talking to you because it's uh, it's very apt right now, What you're, the, both your businesses, Louise, in the sense of what you work at, uh, the day job and as well, your, your uh, work with fashion. Um, we, we start, I suppose, Louise, with the COVID-19 and uh, what's your your thoughts on the current pandemic that's that's sort of slowly creeping back upward again in terms of the trend? Um, yeah, I definitely think it's one to watch. Um, definitely keep an eye on the R numbers, the way we're dealing with it now. So we've come into stage four with work, so we're going back. So just explain, um, when the pandemic started, I jumped back into the lab that I was working in to, um, it's basically bone marrow transplantation. So we're working on genetics, and if you're going for a bone marrow transplant, we would do the genetic testing to facilitate that. So we would test a patient's siblings, and if they can't get matched within the family, we'd search worldwide. So I came out of that from my lecturing position. Yes. Um, yeah. So I was doing that for four months. So as things are getting back to normality, bone marrow transplants are going ahead and go back into my lecture role. But at the same time, we have very much been warned at work, you know, we're not out of this yet, so I would can encourage people to still be very mindful. Um, it's definitely not going away, and no. the experts are warning us. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing here with this, like virus, myself, Louise, is uh, I suppose we've seen complacency creep in. I think with, and it's not to say I suppose it's every quarters of every country it has been seen, and I suppose that's the worry that uh, people have done so well. Uh, for the first phases of it, Louise, that that needs to continue, really. Definitely. And I think we've all relaxed a little bit with the guidelines being lifted and everything, but the virus isn't going to relax. It's still out there. It's still a massive threat. And like even when you are washing your hands and social distancing, a lot of it can't be down to bad luck. You might walk into a space where somebody's just coughed. So we just kind of have to keep that social distance, keep our washing our hands and um, it's definitely not going away, and it's particularly scary now coming into cold and flu season, when it's going to be hard to distinguish if somebody got a cold or a flu or have they got COVID. Yes. So that's going to be a big worry. Well, that is a very hard thing to distinguish the difference between, because it's very similar symptoms, Louise. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And it's going to have a massive impact on the workforce, childcare and everything, so I think that'll be a big challenge. And it's definitely having a big economic effect as well on the, on the country, Louise, and yeah, I suppose all we can really do is is uh, hope that in the near future there the, the can be a sort of vaccine released for this, um, pan, like the, this virus that's rampant throughout the world. What what do you think is in terms of a of a length of time, a, a feasible length of time, Louise, until that would be remotely possible? Well, I'm really encouraged by. I don't know if you heard in the news about the Oxford grip. 
Um, yes. They are working on the vaccine at the moment, and it seems to be producing a response in people. Um, so these people are producing antibodies to the vaccine. Now, the thing about it is um, the length of time isn't about the vaccine development. It's determining safety. Yes. Basically. And if somebody does encounter the vaccine, that it's effective. So it's it's going to take this time. Like you could roll it out very quickly, but it's all the safety clinical trials and everything. So I would say realistically a year, year and a half, as the experts have predicted, um, yes. just from the safety point of view. And that's from the moment it first became on the scene or from now? Um, I'd say from now. Yeah. Like it is, they have noticed that it is producing response, but now... It's to check that it's safe. Yes. So that would be, yeah, I can't suppose, just yeah. roll it out. No, there's yeah. a lot of, as I say, clinical trials not to be take place. And um, there's a lot of questions, people out there, and I suppose myself included, Louise, and and it's not that you have all the answers on this podcast, but um, I suppose you do worry about, I suppose, next month uh, you'll see children go back to school and uh, you, you just wonder how much this is going to affect the whole thing. It's definitely going to come under effect some way. Oh, I think it's going to have a big impact on childcare. Even like if you look at the CDC, their list of symptoms. If Ireland is to go towards that, like runny nose and everything is included. So like there's a full spectrum of symptoms. And you know yourself with children, they pick up everything. So it's just going to, it's, I think it's going to have a big impact on that. Yes. Definitely. Um, with the kids, like for social distancing and stuff, uh, the recent research seems to show that the under 10s doesn't seem to be badly while they might get Kawasaki as a very rare symptom, yes. um, they don't seem to transfer to adults as much as the over 10s. It's the over 10s and teenagers that they're going to have to be very mindful of. Yeah, and um, a lot of parents are going to be worried about that too in the, in the coming. Exactly. And myself speaking too, as a parent, it's, uh, it is going to be a, a very strange time. But I think a good points that have been made as well, Louise, is the fact that uh, this virus is going to be here for some time, as you've uh, like you just mentioned there, in a sense of a year and a half. I think people we need to just to, to sort of adapt and 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 accept that it's here. I definitely agree. From a social aspect, kids need to get back together with each other, and they need to get learning and get out of the house. And even from a mental health perspective, like we can't stay locked up, you no. know, for the foreseeable. So we have to like just keep practicing all the measures like good cough etiquette and everything and just try your best that's all that we can do that's all we can do and uh yeah yeah i'd be very curious louise uh yourself to ask your your opinion on uh i suppose to put you on the spot to a certain degree um the usa and the uk in, in my opinion haven't um particularly handled this uh, virus very well what would be your own th- thoughts on that louise in the sense of what they could be heading towards with, with the lack of care they've shown yeah, um, I've been quite vocal about the UK and American response on my social media. I've just been shocked, really, particularly with the UK. It was like their herd immunity, wherever they got that theory from. Like herd immunity is based on if you have a vaccine, we'll say if 85% of people get the vaccine, the rest are protected against the virus. That's the premise of herd immunity but without a vaccine it's just letting the virus run rampant through the population like killing potentially millions and then with Trump um, I think the problem too is he's going for his election this year and that's his major bugbear is the coronavirus like he always kind of prided himself on economic recovery for America he can't say that now at the moment 
which I think is why he turned off the lights in the CDC this week. Yes. Um, that was shocking move. Like the CDC are our world experts. It's who we look towards. So he's basically fired the WHO and the CDC. So I think it's a very scary time. If you're to look at the graphs, comparing Europe to the USA. So Europe had a very, very early peak with Italy and it was terrifying looking at it. But if you look at the two graphs now, America has gone to the stratosphere as far yeah. as like we've kind of leveled out and we're doing okay. Apart from, you know, there's there's going to be clusters, but America is on a terrifying trajectory. Yeah, I must say, like Donald Trump, what you're saying with the who and that, people that, you know, have to be listened to, the experts in this field. And uh, the one question I would have to say personally that's in my mind when Donald Trump's mentioned this in the sense of it, it stuns me that people would vote for this guy at all to be a president because uh, the facts are there and I think the numbers are, are trying to be sort of, um, there's a bit of a, a falseness about the numbers that's been released as well in America, I would say, Louise. Well, they're not testing as rampantly as we are. No. Um, there isn't the same transparency, so we don't know. And when you think of all the undocumented in America, we don't know the true levels over there. So I think if people are voting him for him, it's probably all his economic promises and everything. But from a health perspective, it's, it's just very scary. Yeah. Well, you have to look at the whole um, outline as, as a president. And um, the worrying thing is, that uh, the, the, there's obviously a lot of people out there that do follow Donald Trump and every yeah. word he says on Twitter and what have you. And that is the worry in the sense of the, the knock-on effect that this guy has on people. Exactly. And I don't know how, I don't know if you're aware of Dr. Fauci. I'm, I'm not, I, I can't, no. So you'd see him in press conferences. So basically he's the, well, he's meant to be his advisor. He's a doctor and he's world expert in infectious diseases. So he's been there for the AIDS pandemic, Zika, Ebola, everything, like he is top um, expert in his field. And Donald Trump is basically turning around in press conferences with Tony Fauci beside him and saying, oh, he's wrong, he's wrong. How he stands and listens to I don't know. Yeah, a man that's got no qualification to say that, really. Exactly. You know I mean? It's yeah. very, very narcissistic. It's, it's, it's crazy, actually. It's actually mind-boggling that we're, you know, because I think this virus would uh, be, there would be a lot bigger chance of it uh, sort of being handled better if the whole world was more united against it. Yeah, and especially in the early days as well, a bit more transparency with China, like, you know, there is reports that it did start um, late autumn, November. We didn't get reports of it till I think it was 31st of December that there was an outbreak in China. Like there was two or three months where the world could have been better prepared for what happened. Yeah, there, def yeah. there definitely is. A lot of people have, have actually heard um, personally speaking about that this. They're under the impression they could have had this towards the back end of 2019. And um, it's definitely hard to sort of squash that idea. Yeah, what it's I mean. a possibility, and I suppose the antibody testing will tell whether you did have it or you didn't. Yeah, and uh, yes, and that that is the key. And I think Ireland, in all fairness, we have to give credit to um, the, the, the experts that side in, in, in Ireland, uh, Louise, because um, you know they've dealt with it generally quite well. I would say. Yeah, like it was an unbelievable task. Even the guys that were working on coronavirus. It was one rep, like we've only one reference lab in Ireland. That's one lab doing all. So anytime there's a positive virology sample, it'll go into them. So if you think about it, they are quite a small lab to be setting up testing for all of Ireland and to get all the other individual 
lot yes. set up and looking for reagents, looking for equipment. And the thing about the testing as well, it's not just like a dip test. You know, it's very skilled DNA um, RNA work. Yes. And there's a lot of knowledge that goes with that. So it wasn't just a simple, okay, we're going to start testing for Corona. Like a lot of work went on behind the scenes. Yeah, we're definitely so, thankful to have a lot of these people. And of course, then you've got Dr. Tony Hulhan, who um, has stepped aside, uh, Louise, in, in recent weeks. And the, the country owe a lot of uh, like uh, gratitude to that man too, because he's been fighting his own personal battle. Like his I wife. know. Yeah. Yeah, and like... You'd never know when he was given it. He was so professional during his press conferences and he was very much a voice of reason and he was very reassuring when you saw him on TV. There's a confidence about him, yeah. Yeah, and and it was the same with Leo. Um, You just felt that two medical doctors were in charge. Like when you looked towards Boris and Trump and everything, I just felt really reassured that we had good leadership for Corona. We are. I know they get a lot of criticism at times, you know, like Leo, I think uh, generally... Uh, I don't think people can be that critical of how they've dealt with this situation thus far. Yeah, I think he stepped up to the plate and they did what they could. Like, it was just yeah, it's exceptional, like, the speed that it took off in. Yeah, very, that's, that's, that's quite scary, actually, the the level of, of speed of it. And, uh, Louise, we touched there at the beginning, to, to go back to your, the fact that you're a medical scientist, Louise. And, of course, as I mentioned, this is completely left of me <laughs> in the sense of <laughs> I would have no knowledge of it. But just for people... To, to break down what your your day to day work involves, Louise, more so. Yeah. Um. So before I t- I'll talk about the job that I'm doing now. Yes. So I'm in training education. So I'm a senior scientist, and basically what that involves, I would train medical doctors who are going on to be consultants in the area of blood transfusion. Um. I would also lecture to undergraduate students that are doing biomedical science. So they would come in. So from CIT, DIT, um, Cork, they would come in for a week with me, spend the week with me, and I would go through all sorts of science, like viruses, anything to do with blood transfusion. And I would do um, project planning within the building. So I'm involved now in a major project. It will be um, amalgamating some of the testing labs. Um, when I'm not doing that, the lab work that I work in is, as I said, it's genetics. So what we do in there would be, it's kind of similar to the corona testing, except that we're doing, we're testing for genetic diseases and, um, as I said, we're facilitating bone marrow transplants. So we would be the reference lab for that. What means is we are the one lab in the country that does that type of testing. I see. So anybody, yeah. So anybody that has leukemia or anything, they would come through us and we would it's find the match for them. That's a big responsibility, Louise. Oh, we've, we've a massive team. So we work along with the doctors in St. James's and Crumlin. So for the adult uh, transplants, we would work with St. James's and for the kids, we would do Crumlin. And we would do genetic testing for diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, celiac disease, like lots of different um, immune diseases. Yeah. And, and in terms of a team, Louise, um, like what size would the team be that you work so with? There's 14 of us on the team. 14. Um, yeah, um, it's predominantly women. Like that's the thing about medical science. I always kind of have a little laugh when <laughs> I see women told to go into, you know, STEM and everything. In medical science, 
medical science, about 90% of us are women. So we need more men in medical science. Well, you definitely couldn't count on me, Louise. I have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was looking up the definition of medical uh, scientist, just right. in terms of, just to be a wee bit more savvy, yep. as they say, when it comes to talking to you. And yep. um, like, just for people listening to the podcast, uh, purposes and it's the work that entails the study of the diagnosis treatment and prevention of disease yeah i suppose that's, that's the really and truly but it's uh that's of course sounds so simple but there's a lot more breakdown of that of course no well, that's a good way of explaining it um we're always told that 70 percent of diagnoses are made in the laboratory um so we very much work along with the medical team and you know we're not mutually exclusive so we need the doctors and they need us um yeah, I think until the coronavirus, not a lot of people knew what medical scientists were. I remember being asked, you know, when somebody says, what do you do for a living? I say scientists. And they're like, oh, yeah, like NASA and stuff. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't understand. thought I was a space cadet. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more behind it in the sense of the medicine and that and testing. And yeah. I suppose that's the what's really and truly what the, the virus, the, the, the sort of... What we're looking for now is the solution to this, and it's going to take some time, but there's a reason for that as well, um, yeah. L- Louise? Definitely. Um, the vaccine. We just can't, yeah. yeah, exactly. And there has been promising you know, results with some of the antiviral drugs that they use for HIV, like remdesivir and everything, but it's not going to be a long-term solution. Definitely vaccine is the way forward. Yeah, and I think... Um, yeah. Uh, I suppose a lot of us are thinking the sooner the better but we do have to be patient and as I say just I think begin to learn to accept that it's going to be here and we have to deal with it yeah that's it that's the unfortunate thing and try and adhere to what we're being told to do I suppose you know is the other thing and um, Louise I would like to talk to you about uh, your other sort of love your business LaVisha yeah and um how did you come up, first of all, with the idea of this business, Louise, and the name of it? I was in New York. So I was in New York with my mum, and we were just kind of walking around Fifth Avenue, Park Avenue, and I couldn't help but notice, I sound like Carrie Bradshaw now, I couldn't help but notice um, all these women, like, I don't know about you, but New York women have a fantastic way of pairing corporate wear with, fanta- like, fabulous statement jewellery. Um, they just look really well and I happened to say to mum I love that look I've never seen pieces like this in Ireland and it was just kind of from there so I did a bit of research and I was like oh this is something you know I could do um, bring it across I love, yeah I love jewellery my mother's a magpie as well so she was like so excited about it that's just kind of where it took off and where I got the name Lavisha then was um, my own name is Louise Lavisha in Irish and I realised if I spelt it the way it is in Irish that nobody would be able to pronounce it so I just kind of it was like a phonetic twist on the name Lavisha. I quite like it Louise it's nice and uh, it's, it's very creative and um, uh, when did you so when was it set up Louise in, a, in the fact of, in the sense of initially? 2014. 2014. So, yeah the end of 2013 going into 2014 was my first. Yeah. Um, yeah. So New York had a big effect on you then and just seeing the the fashion trend over there. Oh I love it like I love the city and it was great too like I got manufacturers over there and I've stuck with them since so I do go over every year to just to meet them curate the collections and I remember my mom coming into the warehouse um the first time and she was just like a kid at Christmas <laughs> like it was wall to wall jewelry and she's like oh my god 
yeah, <laughs> Christmas. Good work, look, yeah. Um, and I have to yeah. give, I have to give your mum uh, as well, Brida, a big shout out because I always say the number one shop assistant anywhere that anyone could wish to see is is your mum. Of course, yeah. you worked in the cope there, and uh, I want to give her a big shout out in this podcast. Brilliant. So, yeah, and uh, no doubt she's been um, a big help to you, Louise. Oh, she's, as I say, she's my roadie. So any pop ups that I've done. Um, she's been there helping me out and just kind of getting it set up and yeah, she's I couldn't do without her for helping me with Lavisha. Yeah, big a big help and it's Dublin based, isn't it, Louise? Yes, it's Dublin based. I'm online, but I would do pop ups. So I've kind of done pop ups throughout Donegal and Dublin. Um, that's on hold obviously with the pandemic, but I hope to get back into that because I just love to meet my customers. It's very different, you know, online. Um. It's very different when you get to meet someone in person and, you know, see their style and just see them wearing your jewellery even. It's must, give you a nice. great, must give you a great thrill. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, yeah. I still always feel a giggle when I see somebody, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah it's cool. Isn't that great, though, a sort of uh, initiative from yourself, though, Louise, to to have that idea in the sense of um, a market that be, could be taken across the pond and be sort of uh, put across in such a successful way. Because by the side, like just by looking at it myself, when I see it online, that and your website, it definitely seems to be going very well for you. Um, I was like initially, I was kind of scared because it is such a saturated market, fashion and everything. But I think I've kind of found the niche, and particularly at the moment with basically my two words, clothing, science, and fashion. Like with, I've recently introduced masks onto the website and. I never actually thought I would be selling face masks. Like, it's so surreal. But um, just the fact the two of them have come together, I think I've got my own kind of unique place in the market at the moment. Yeah, and it's it's very, uh, I suppose, apt as well uh, with the, the whole pandemic, uh, Louise. And it's it's a very important thing now, which, of course, have become compulsory uh, in Ireland here on in, in Monday if you're entering a shop or any sort of public place. Um, but... Um, you're just touching on your masks there, like do you rate, do you make them available for all ages, Louise? Well, at the moment, yeah, I'm going with the CDC recommendations. So in Ireland at the moment, HSA, they don't recommend under 13s uh, to wear masks. But the CDC, who are the world experts, uh, they recommend anyone that's over two that doesn't have breathing difficulties and can remove the mask unassisted. Um, they recommend that they wear them. So Ireland not to be negative or anything, has been a little behind with the regulations, particularly with masking and everything. Um, maybe they will introduce it for kids, you know, coming back to school. So the fact that I am shipping worldwide, I want to go with the CDC recommendations, not just the Irish ones. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah you have to include as many as you can. And, yeah. uh, and um, it's, it's definitely uh, going to be an important uh, feature over the, yeah. the coming 12 months, uh, Louise, is the, the use of masks. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think it's the only way that we can coexist with the virus without going into lockdown. Like we've seen the effects of it in Melbourne, how rampantly out of a few cases now they're going into phase three lockdown with a possibility of phase four. Like they were at the figures that we we're at only a few weeks ago. So it's still a real threat. Yeah. Can it can, can just like spark from nowhere. And exactly. They were doing so well in the early phases, as, as you mentioned there. And uh, it's it's a it's definitely a worry how quick it can uh, spiral, and just to talk to talk as well, um, Louise, about the sort of range of different accessories that you cover, uh, yeah. other, other than masks. Yeah, so I would do costume jewellery, 
Um, I recently, about a year ago, I got into finer jewellery, so Austrian crystals. So that's pretty popular with our brides. And I would do headpieces as well. Yes, Austrian um, crystal, did you say? Yes, Austrian. that's really it. Yeah, so that's popular with the brides. It looks really good in yes. photography. And it's pieces that they can incorporate into their day wear after. So it's pieces that they'll have for years that, you know, they can wear with their pair of jeans and everything. It doesn't have to be, you know, showy jewellery. Yes. They're very wearable pieces. And then I would have the head pieces. So I would supply um, custom-made ones of those as well as getting ones from my manufacturer. So they would be big for the races and stuff. Yes, uh, yeah, like, like getting all dolled up for the for all the different uh, occasions across the channel or that. Or just going to the supermarket. <laughs> yes, uh, well, no doubt. I would, I would look strange if one of them on myself, Louise. <laughs> Especially at the moment, I think we're all kind of getting dressed up any opportunity to Well, we've nowhere to go. Uh, that's it. Yeah, so uh, no, that's interesting. And so you, you definitely cover and you have a website as well, Louise. I do have a website, yeah. So it's com. Yeah, and uh, you'll see everyone. They can all see what you have available there to to purchase, and they can. Uh, no doubt with this pandemic, Louise, it's it's made it tricky for you as well shipping internationally. Yeah, well, with our regulations, with I'm post at the moment, and um, they're only going to the UK. So unfortunately, to Australia, even though I can ship to them under normal circumstances, because they don't have the daily flights going out as frequently, we can't ship there. So I've actually had to tell customers now I can't send them to Australia. But otherwise, um, I just want to thank definitely the people from Donegal and around Ireland, how supportive they've been. Like, they've been incredible, uh, particularly people right in the Rosses. They've just been, from the very start, when I started Lavisha, they've been so supportive. And during the pandemic, they've been incredible. So yeah. big shout out to everybody. No, I think you're people are proud of what you're doing, Louise. And not only that, it's like women, I know myself, they like they love fashion. And that's so it's uh, and any kind of accessories that can that can uh, enhance, as I say, a, a look. And uh, I would like to congratulate you on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and uh, no doubt uh, as well, Louise. You've uh, I like I've following you there on social media. I see that you have certain trips promoting your uh, business as well, Louise. Like you, you go on certain uh, trips across the different locations. Yeah, so a lot of it would be the buying trips that I go to. So it would be New York primarily. But last year I went to Miami and just kind of had meetings with manufacturers down there um, just to see what was out there. But I'll always go back to New York. That's kind of my thing. Yeah, um, New yeah. York. Yeah, special place. Uh, I'd say I've never been there now, but it's it's one place I would love to go. It's so addictive. Like once you go once, that's it. And just the fact that... You know, it's a city that I love and that I can do business out of. And, I, you know, I've made good connections there. So, yeah, it's just an incredible city. And there's so many Irish out there supporting me as well. There so is. that's good. There is. New York would be a place where you'd, you would find a lot of Irish. It seems to be yeah. Boston and in that kind of area. Um, a lot of Irish have, have gone. Yeah, you have to say another congratulations to you, Louise, because uh, your business won an award, an Expose Award. It did. Um, a couple of years ago, I was shortlisted from 5,000 boutiques. Um, we were shortlisted down to 15, and I won the prize for Best Accessories in Ireland. That's, that's, that's that amazing. Good. Yeah, it was a really good experience. That must be must give you though uh, great motivation when you see that Louise, that you're you know you're being recognised in such a way. Well, it was good motivation because the year before that, I had broken my foot. Um, I fell off my shoes, completely sober, I might add. That's kind of, it was nearly worse. I yes. think if I had a drink, I would have bounced off. I would have 
recovered better. But anyway, um, I ended up breaking my foot for nine weeks and I just kind of used it as an opportunity to rebrand the Visha, get new packaging. I took control of the website. I did a bit of learned coding as well. Yes. And I just remember one of the days um, I was sitting with my foot up in the boot and looking at Expose and see those awards were on. And I turned around to my mom and I said, God, I'd love to go on that. And then it kind of pushed me. I wrote down some goals that I wanted for the year ahead. And one of them was to create the new website to get on Expose. Like I just put it out there as a goal, never thinking that I actually would. So it was just cool to be able to tick that off. And then, no doubt as well, Louise, like you've actually saved yourself money as well with the coding. Well, that's it. But it was really kind of, it taps into the geeky side of me as well because I love the whole analytics behind the website and just, you know, seeing the different reports and I find that fascinating, the whole statistics. So it is fast, it is vast, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, it really I is. Kind of drew from my scientific background on that. I was like, right, this is really interesting. I found all the stats really interesting. So just to be able to work that, it was nice. Well, I suppose it's relevant too when you've got your own website, Louise. In the sense yeah. of like it's uh, it's it's only going to benefit you yourself, and um, there is like a website is uh, it's a great marketing tool as well as social media, yeah. of course. And I just like to say to people like if you have something in mind, just go for it. Like it is very doable, and you know you'd be surprised of how much you can do yourself. Yeah, I think people actually have that in them, Louise, where they don't foresee what they can manage. But I, I always I'm a great believer in that if people put their mind to things, anything's achievable. Definitely, like a massive into setting goals, and even if you don't achieve all of them, just kind of put it out there and motivate yourself. I always have, I have about nine or ten lists on the go. I'm like have a list for everything. <laughs> yeah, the bucket list is is, is building, but <laughs> by the sounds of it, though, with the the expose and you had that on your list, you, you achieved that. So a big yeah. well done as well on on that award. Yeah, thanks a million, Tony. That's fantastic. It's great to see uh, Louise' success stories because. You know, we're living in a time where there's a, quite a lot of negativity, so it's um, it's great to see somebody local, you know, uh, doing so well. Oh, thank you. I think everybody really has it in them to start a business. I suppose it's overcoming fear and just the going for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That opening and hurdle. I, th- I think the lo- a lot of the start of it was kind of fear of judgment, like afraid to put yourself out there of what other people thought of you. But, like... As long as you're not kind of hurting anybody or doing any harm, I think you should just forget what people think and just get on with it. Yeah, 100%. Because as, um, I think we all know that we, we all we should just go for things more so. But yeah. it's, easy, it's easy saying it. I suppose we all are conscious sometimes of what people think. Which, exactly. Which is wrong. Exactly. Which is wrong, really. We have to go, yeah. go and do our own uh, thing and believe in it. And, um, That's it. Yeah. I suppose this final part is a bit more um, light-hearted in the sense of just talking about your own personal experience of your time in the Mary from Dunlow, which is, brings me on to the that topic now, Louise. And which year was it, Louise, that you were actually a judge in the, in the competition? Uh, last year was my first year, so I was meant to do it this year, but I've been asked to come back next year. Yes. Um, yeah. So who won it the year that you were judging last the New York Mary. Oh yes, that, that, that's was, the lady that was building on the on the stage. Yeah, she was fantastic. Maher, isn't it? Uh, Roshin. Yeah, yeah. Roshin. Yeah, Roshin Maher. Um, just like the caliber, all of them were amazing. I was just kind of blown away, really, by them. They're all so talented, like such um, great role models, you know, for anybody coming up. Every single one of them, like 
the standard was unbelievable. It was really hard to choose one. Yes. Um, and it was down to the wire. Like, it was very, very tough. Everyone just suppressed me so much. Not an easy job, Louise especially, too. When you consider, like, I would love to know, um, a sort of, in terms of the role of a judge, how is it sort of based over? Is it a pointing system out of 10, or how do you work it? Um, so we did the interview, and at that stage, nobody really had an idea what way it was going. I think it's kind of a mixture of the interview and how they do in the night. It's just kind of overall impression for the week. And personality uh, is absolutely, you know, key. And it's not just what I would like to say. It's not just a beauty pageant or lovely girl competition. Like, there is substance behind it. Yes. And I think it's really good um, just for young girls looking up to these people that, you know, you can do all of this and you can, you know, go into a nice competition like this and just kind of showcase yourself. It's just a lovely week. Yeah. And Caroline O'Donnell, of course, won it in, in 2018. And Louise, a very popular winner, she she was. Another fantastic role model. And it was lovely to see her, how she really came out of her shell. Not that she was in her shell, but, you know, she really um, bloomed during that year. And she was just an incredible mentor to the Marys. Um, last year, you know, give them little advice and just really great ambassadors for Dunlow. Yeah. Carolina, I can remember actually speaking about um, when she first started uh, with the American Dunlow. It was like she wouldn't have been confident talking to more than 10 people. And right. When she finished, you know, then with the, when she was crowned, it was something that she grew confident with over time. So the festival definitely has a lot of sides to it in the sense of not just people coming home to to watch, you know, girls competing for a title. There, there's a lot of different sides to being a competitor in the Mary from Dunlow. Definitely. Like, it's really kind of modernised as well, as well as, bring, as you said, bringing people together. Um, it's shown people, like, this is what you can do. You know, you can be whatever you want to be. Like, Roisin is working in New York in construction, and she was 27, and she got up on stage with Daniel O'Donnell, and she started making a, you know, building the wall. But That's there right. she was in her ball ground, and it was just like, you can do what you want. I love that, personally. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. Yeah, like, it's like she didn't, you know, there was no airs or graces. No, and no. it was just very positive. Like, all the girls got on really well with each other, and... You know, it's not for sure. There genuinely is a sisterhood between them. And even what myself and the judges, like we got on, like we had great crack. It was just brilliant yeah. being asked to be a judge. I think was Greg Hughes along with you, I think, on the judging panel? Yeah. yeah. So we had Grona Byrne, Greg Hughes, um, Mary from Gallagher's, and then we had Randox. Yeah, that's so, a bit. Yeah. Yeah, Kieran from Randox. Nice, um, so nice for, spread. And we had Daniel O'Donnell, so he was a compare, but we he would have sat in the interview with us um, with the Marys. So it was just kind of nice. Um, all these people were really experienced when I went in, so I was kind of a bit nervous the first day, you know, on the interviews and everything. But um, I was just, oh, I was just delighted to be asked to do it. And of course, next year now, like obviously the festival this year, everything's affected, Louise. Um, but. Uh, Next year, the, you say two, uh, 2021, um, it's Caitlin Finn, I think, is representing London. She, yes. So let's give Caitlin a shout out. She listens to the podcast as well. And so there's a lot of people looking forward already to next year, of course, because this year was uh, sort of put to the side. Yeah, I think it's given us all hope too. Um, you have to be hopeful for next year. And, you know, this year in the old you know, the grand scheme of things, it's only one year out of our life. So if we could just, you know, stick to the regulations and like next summer we can have a great summer if we just like to quote the government, stay on the course. 
well, that's what we all have to do. I think we all can play yeah. a part in that, Louise. And um, but the festival is definitely something to be very proud of uh, uh, for Dunhill people. And you, you yourself, you know that better than anybody because you've like your background is Dunhill. And it's funny. It's the first thing. Like even when I was in Australia, I lived in Melbourne. You'd say where are you from, and you know, say Dunhill. First thing, oh Mary. Like everybody knows Straight that it's, it. it's yeah. When you like, th- yeah, when you think of down to the years, the amount of people that have come to the festival, I would love to know the figures. Oh, I know. Yeah, like, it's, it's been a great sort of um, tourism attraction in a, in a sense of bringing people here and the likes of Daniel Donald too. Uh, helped and not- just traditions as well. Like families have been coming for years to it and, you know, you get to build friendships with people and, yeah, it's just bringing, brilliant for bringing everyone together. Definitely is. And, Wish you all the best with that as well, Louise. Next Thank year you. when you're judging again, and that that's something nice to, for you to sort of put in your cap as well. It's another side of something to experience for you. Yeah, it was. Um, I loved kind of the whole interview side of it, getting to know the girls and everything, and you know, just to relax. You know, it wasn't like a job interview. It was really interesting hearing all their different stories and what they're interested in, and just an incredible way to meet people. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's a, by the sounds of it, it's a it's a great week for the people that's a part of it. Definitely, know? and there's definitely yeah. definitely a lot of uh, like the judges like just out of curiosity when the girls are touring about the county, Louise, do you actually? I suppose you don't go on them trips, do you? No, well, I personally was in Dublin. Yes. Um I don't know. I think Greg might have been on the radio and stuff. I don't do know Crona does chaperone them. Um, and then they have the fairy godmothers, so that's Deirdre and Mary would look after them. But no, we kind of well for me personally, I wanted to wait to meet the girls. Um, I didn't. I wouldn't kind of judge anybody, you know, on the week's event because no, no. I wasn't there. I wanted to meet people and see what they were like. Yes, I see what you mean. Yes, and that's yeah. that's the best way. Louise, yeah, you definitely, definitely got plenty. Of, you you got definitely got sufficient opportunity to you know cast a, a sufficient judgment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, well, Louise, we're coming to the end of the interview, and um, I suppose before we do, I would like to say to you, what's your own plans? Have you like away from away from work and Slavisha and and that like your own? What do how do, what do you enjoy doing to sort of chill out, Louise? Um, oh, geez, variety of stuff. So I do look like listening to podcasts, which is why I'm delighted to be on to, with yours. I've listened to the Daniel O'Donnell ones and Packy Bonner and stuff. Yes. Um, I like going out to restaurants, just like loads of varied stuff. I love getting home to Donegal. So, um, I was meant to be going to America next two weeks time, but that's obviously cancelled. So I'm going to do a staycation in Donegal and I follow a couple of bloggers um, around the country so I've just kind of been watching particularly in the pandemic when I couldn't get home I made a list of the stuff that I wanted to go and see when I was allowed to travel so it'll be good to do all those activities Yeah that's that sounds good Louise and because yeah. we definitely need to you know have that time out to do things as well away from Definitely and by, yeah, the, by, the, by the sounds of your work too Louise it's pretty intense I would say in the sense of you're committed, like the committed, your committed side to it. Like it's a lot of hours in labs and that. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, it is very intense, and there is very like it is serious. Like the repercussions if something goes wrong and everything. So you have to have your wits about you. But it's nice having the balance of Levisha. You know, my whole creative side and kind of you know just deciding which way it goes. Yeah. I think it's good to have that balance. Well, fair play to you because uh, just to, to before I finish, like I would like to say. How how tricky is it in the sense of balancing the two? Because it must be challenging at times. 
Yeah, it is challenging, but I try to, as I said, I have about nine different lists on the go. Um, I try to be super organized. Um, I just kind of schedule what I'm going to do for the week, and I suppose it does eliminate a bit of spontaneity, but you kind of have to be organized when you have the two so that you do get a bit of balance, you know, downtime as well. Yes, that is important, Louise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Louise, we've come to the, the, the end of the interview, and I'd like to... Um, Personally, before we introduce the final song, I would like to say a big thank you to you for for your time for this podcast. No problem. I'm honoured to be on your show tonight. Yeah, it's uh, great to speak to a local woman, of course, who's doing so well. Uh, and uh, you, like you've got, uh, as I say, different areas there with your uh, medical scientist and the success of Lavisha. And uh, I would like to say a big congratulations to you on that. And the Donegal's and Dunlow in particular is very proud of you. Thank you. That's uh, lovely to hear. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, and uh, once again, Louise, a big thank you for your time today. And uh, I would like to wish you, you uh, your mum and your, your business, Lavisha, and your work as a medical scientist, I would like to wish you all the very best. Thanks, Millie and Tony. It was great talking to you. Great talking to you, Louise. Okay. Yeah, well, folks, that was the 25th episode of the Time Out podcast, and I hope that you enjoyed it with uh, Louise Breslin. And that was, for me now, a very enjoyable uh, interview, and uh, as all interviews I do, and I would like to uh, thank Louise for her time. Keep an eye out for the next podcast, episode number 26, which will be coming to you soon. But uh, until then, from me, Tony McGettigan, and Louise Breslin, it's goodbye. Goodbye.